We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ah, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Week one is in the books, baby. We got a packed out show for you. Some of you might even hear yourselves on the show. Got some voice notes from some of the fans. All of you guys sending them in. I appreciate it. I have not listened to any of them. So hopefully when I listen to them on air for the first time, it won't be super ratchet or anything crazy that might get this entire show canned. Also got a nice interview with Joe Caparoso. He is the Senior Vice President of Content and Brand Platforms at Whistle Sports. He's also the owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This dude has an amazing story of how he went from like a poly major to having a side hustle of covering his favorite team, the J-E-T-E, the New York Jets. Uh, tough one for the Jets yesterday. We'll get to that. Also, I want to important note, housekeeping note, this interview I conducted with him last Thursday so it was prior to the week one game and I knew that I was going to release it after the fact so we didn't really touch on like well what's the key matchup against the Bills it was kind of just like an open conversation and talk about the free agents that they brought in and whatnot and you know it was very fitting because I had them making the wild card I still feel that way as well despite that being a really really tough loss to Buffalo but we will get to that I want to address the VM audience the VM community the VM gang gang all right, because if you haven't heard, go back and listen to the Future of Veterans Minimum episode. It was released last week, and on that episode, everything was made clear as to what the direction of the show was going to be going forward. There are a couple of things I want to elaborate on, and just to make a little clear and kind of open up to you guys as well that have been listening, especially now with the show being turned over to me and me being the primary host and owner of Veterans Minimum going forward. Uh, I got to say, um, I appreciate the feedback on this 
And, you know, nowadays, everyone, when something good happens or, or any kind of announcement, people turn to the negative or people kind of slander it or try to shit on it. Uh, I got nothing but positive feedback from all of you. And I, I couldn't tell you how happy that made me feel because not for nothing, you know, we built this show over the last couple of years and, you know, it was kind of an unknown of what it, the future was going to be like for VM. But now that we do know what the future of VM is, uh, it was really, really cool. I got to say it was very humbling and very appreciative on my end uh, that no one really said anything bad. It was kind of like, good luck. We wish you the best. We'll continue to support. And also like, you know, it's in good hands and, you know, Lamb, you've been killing it and whatnot and kind of putting me over to use a wrestling term. But yeah, I just want to say thank you for the feedback. You know, um, usually people will kind of be like, oh, nah, we don't want it like that. And it was just cool. And uh, it was nice, you know, because I, I work hard on this stuff and it was kind of validating to see that a lot of you see that as well. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, um, I do want to say that going forward, what you guys can expect from me is consistency without a doubt. I like being organized and having things tailored to a certain expectation. Um, you'll be getting a Monday and a Thursday episode every week. Uh, the Monday series will be a little bit more open forum, open conversation, pre, pre-recorded pre interviews and whatnot. Uh, you know, cheap plug, next Monday's episode is going to be a doozy. I recorded a really, really fun one where you're going to get a different, different point of view of your boy. You want to talk about opening up, spread them cheeks wide kind of opening up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, consistency, like I mentioned as far as the Patreon goes, we'll give the plugs at the end. But the Patreon, also, it's going to be better run, better organization there, better structuring, ton of content on there. You know, we've already made the announcement how I'm combining my other show with that. T-Generation Bets is going to live on the Veterans Minimum Patreon. And I got some good feedback with that. Because, you know, not for nothing, we've been doing that show for three years now and change. And it sucks that I had to move it to there. But I also have to kind of keep the Patreon going because a lot of, that support from you guys, the fans that support the Patreon, goes into supporting the show in one way or the, another. So there's going to be a ton of content on there from, like, the betting lines to uh, DFS stuff, fantasy football stuff, my, my show notes, uh, daily fantasy notes and whatnot. A lot of fan interaction, too, as you guys are going to see on this episode. I got a bunch of voice notes from fans also, which was pretty sweet. Some would say too sweet. So, yeah, just I would say thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, very kind. The words that everyone reached out and hit me up with in private or in, in a public forum on Twitter or whatnot. I'm, when I mean private, I mean messaging or the people that have my cell phone number. They hit me up like that. The Discord also was really, really cool. So I appreciate that. And just, you know, for those of you that are patrons or were patrons in the past, like definitely check out Patreon because I've messaged everyone directly on a one on one kind of thing. Uh special thank you messages and whatnot and also just trying to get engagement going and, and interaction and get to know you guys more too because not for nothing we do get a lot of listens on the show but the people that are patrons they help the show reach different levels of success because you're providing a fund in our direction you know um, i've kind of established a team behind the scenes and I, I you guys will get to know them as we go but Shout out to my buddy Alex. If you guys follow the social media accounts, you've seen that he puts those graphics together, those really cool graphics. Uh, producer Mike, 
he's helped out with finding some ads. We're, we'll get to an ad read later on in the show that he's been crushing it with. Uh, my buddy Taryn out in Wisconsin, he's crushing it on social media. Also, my buddy Phil keeping the Discord in check. So I, I've kind of assembled a little team and kind of my brainchild is being put together now on a, on a completely different level. And hats off to the guys, Tim, Boss, Joe, Impy. A lot of people reached out and said, like, yo, are you going to get them on? And it's like, yeah, bro, I could get them on whenever. You know, it's just that, you know, behind the scenes, like we mentioned, and I don't want to take away from that episode. I definitely want you guys to go check that out. But that episode was kind of an end of an era because just life has gotten in the way, folks. That's really what it was. Like, we're all friends. We still were pumping in the group chat. And, you know, some of the guys were together in Utah over the weekend. I was texting Tim as of this morning, too. Like, yo, what happened with the Jets? What happened with the Giants kind of thing? So it's like... It's all love. It's just that people went in a different direction. We've been doing this show for four years, and, you know, some people don't want to do this show anymore. Some people want to pivot their attention to one particular kind of sports conversation, and that's cool. And, like, the way I've I've kind of just become accustomed to and just, like, my day-to-day living is, like, yo, I don't want to force someone to do any something, right? My buddy Frank doesn't watch wrestling anymore. We were having the wrestling show. He just stepped away from it. It wasn't for him anymore. It's like, cool, man. Like, the door's right there. I I don't want to have shackles on you. Don't want to handcuff you. Like, if your heart's not in it, it comes off on the mic. And there were a lot of things that were going on that people's just their hearts weren't in it anymore. They had to do other things, other business ventures and whatnot. And as far as I go, for me, like, I really love doing the podcast. It's kind of the only thing I have really going forward. I mean, I have my family business on the side and whatnot, but this is like the passion project. This is the thing that really gets me going and keeps me alive. Uh, Like I said, there's an episode on Monday coming out where I explain to that in full detail. But, you know, again, just a little behind the scenes. I was going to be a a police officer. I was going to be a Nassau County cop. And for the longest time, I was kind of just chasing a dream that wasn't mine. And as the years went on, I started getting better and better with the podcasting and better and better with the content and whatnot and learning new things and tips and tricks. And the feedback was tremendous. And I got hired by a company to do video content. Shout out to Chat Sports. You know, I got hired by Boom Fantasy to do some content for them. Shout out to Rick Rosen. He's the one that really opened up the door for me there. And, you know, I'm 28 years old now. At 26, I had braces on because I wanted to feel more confident in front of a camera. And it was an insecurity of mine because I had baby teeth. So I got that situated, and now my smile is sort of Finn Balor-ish. You know, I'm I'm a stallion now. I would like to say, putting myself over, and I know I sound like a dick now, but you know, it was it was sacrifices that I had to make because this is what I really want to do. This is all I care about. This is all I think about, and you know, I don't know. I know I don't know at all, but it's all I know, and I know a lot. And I think it's very obvious that when you see me and and the work that's put in, that it's true. You know, I had to. I got suspended by the police force because of a speeding ticket that a 70 and a 50. And then that cost me a lot of money fighting it with lawyers. And one of the reasons why 2018 was so rough was because I had to make a decision on, yo, am I going to be a cop and keep dumping my money into this thing? That's really not for me and not something I really want to do. And the other ultimatum that they gave me was like, yo, you weren't going to be able to do the podcast. And I just turned and went like, yo, I've been building this thing for three, four years. Well, two, three years at the time kind of don't want to just throw the white flag on it because it makes me feel alive it's like a passion project like i said and yo it sounds cliche and it really doesn't you don't understand how big that is to like chase your ambitions and your dreams and your goals until you're in a situation where you're kind of doing shit for other people and then you realize like how much better you get 
at the thing that you really want to do. And I'm just all in on this stuff. And wherever wherever this journey takes me, I know that I'm 100% committed to it. And I appreciate everyone that listens. And I hope you guys understand that this is kind of the guy that you're going to be getting going forward. Just uh, consistent, more content, interaction with you guys. I'm going to have guests. I've had pre-recorded interviews, like I mentioned, like the one that you'll hear later today. Uh, as far as like getting the guys on the show, yeah, I, I don't. I ultimately do see them making appearances here and there. Like, you know, even one of them resound was like, "Yo, I want to get on the show this week," but I was like, "You know what? It's we just had the sort of like going our own way." I didn't think it was right. Sorry about that, but yeah, just like going forward, if you want to hear more about the future uh, of VM, listen to that podcast. It was last Wednesday's episode, and yeah, I just wanted to take this time to really address the vm audience so i hope you guys can appreciate that and i hope you guys took a lot out of that and feel free to message me you know one of the things that we mentioned are the fan questions and i got some questions from some of you guys and i say we just get to that shit right now First one up with the questions, an OG to the show, baby. King Abel, what it do? Again, like I said, I know it's super early, but given uh, Kellen Moore's new play style with the Cowboys, could he be the McVay to Dak Prescott's golf and completely change his ability to play, essentially, and make him an overall top 10 quarterback? Ooh, that's a hell of a question. So Dak for me is probably like in the 15, 16 range if you really care about where I have him ranked. The Giants defense is atrocious, so I do think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. And it's also a defense that Dak Prescott knows really well in his last two outings against the New York Giants. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions. It seems like he has them figured out, and it's not much that you need to figure out. Don't throw towards Janoris Jenkins, whoever he's covering kind of ha he has shackles on them for the most part even last year despite it being a down year for Jenkins he was the only competent corner that the New York Giants had and you know they traded Eli Apple away to the Saints and then of course when he leaves the Giants he becomes a stud why not you know help pray for me but the Giants have a big big problem defensively nine of the 11 starters last game against the Cowboys depending on when you hear it uh, yesterday for me we're new starters. They've never started in the NFL at any position on the defense. And as far as Dak Prescott goes with Kellen Moore, yeah, maybe. Why not? Get a guy, get a young quarterback, a offensive mind. Kellen Moore, the former Boise State quarterback, is being praised as the offensive coordinator. More than 494 total yards to this offense. A lot of moving pieces, too. Zeke just came back. He didn't really get going because not for nothing. He was chilling in Cabo with probably some margaritas. And God knows what else he was doing over there. Probably raging. So Gallup last year was getting overthrown a lot. Now those passes are hitting. So Dak has become a better thrower over the football deep. Yes, he did not throw the ball deep downfield. If you look at PFF, he was not a tremendous deep ball thrower down the field. When the air yards, meaning how far the ball traveled through the air, not him throwing a slant. And it going 70 yards to the house, right? People would tell me, like, yo, Eli threw a 70 yard. It's like, no, Eli Manning would throw a three-yard pass to Odell, and Odell would take a slant to the house. 
Dak last year was hitting guys underneath, and they were extended. And sure, he had that game against the Eagles where he was airing it out to Amari Cooper, but for the most part, Gallup missed a lot of what should be walk-in touchdowns last year if you really watch the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, this is only going to help Dak Prescott's growth as a quarterback going forward if he found a guy like Kellen Moore that he can understand the system, put him in the best position to win, and you can have him reach heights that he's never reached before. So let's see. Let's see what the future holds for the Cowboys and for Dak. This next question comes from Josh Verb. The uh, New England Patriots might go undefeated this season. This Pittsburgh game is ridiculous. Yeah, Josh, that was that was very ugly for a team that sort of shows up in big games for the most part with the Steelers. Home opener, a lot of smoke being blown everywhere else. Very quiet coming out of Pittsburgh. I don't know if the Antonio Brown news, him going to the Patriots, changed anything. And I want to spend some time on that at the end after the fan questions. But yeah, as far as 16-0 and right now, if you feel like they could go 16-0 and and then go on to win the Super Bowl, essentially go 19-0, you could get them at 20-1 to odds. 20 Two one odds, meaning one dollar wins you twenty, hundred dollars wins you two thousand dollars. If you really think that, why not? If you look at their schedule, it's comedy. It's a comedy show. The New England Patriots have benefited the most of any sports team ever with having a shitty, shitty schedule. I mean, the game that was supposed to be quote unquote hard, and let's not overreact to yesterday, but the Cleveland Browns game, the Browns coming into Foxborough week eight was supposed to be a quote unquote tough game, but now their first Tough challenge is going to be week nine against the Baltimore Ravens. So they got the Dolphins this week who got shellacked. Then they got the Jets who they have won in close to 10 years uh, in Foxborough. Then they got the Bills in Buffalo. Always a weird game, but ultimately they win. It's just that that game is always like a single-digit game for the most part. And then they got the Jets again. Then they got... Uh, sorry, they got the Redskins, the Giants on Thursday Night Football. Then they have the Jets again, and then it's the Browns. So, yo, you're looking at 8-0 probably with ease without even needing to show much. It's probably going to be treated like a preseason game for Brady and for AB to really get some continuity on their ends. Yeah, that's a bar right there. I need a bar sound. Of, I need, in the soundboard that I just ordered, I need to make sure I have a bar, like a pipe bomb being dropped when that shit gets hit. So, And then they got the Eagles after their bye. Then the Cowboys. It gets a little tougher post-bye, you know, uh, at Houston, who they've owned. And then the big game is going to be, the 8th of December against the Kansas City Chiefs in Foxborough. That's going to probably determine the one seed in the AFC, and that's probably going to get flexed from 425 to Sunday Night Football. Uh, I'd be willing to make a wager on that without a doubt. So, yeah, hell of a question, Josh. I Shit, I, I think you're looking at 9-0 and with ease, 8-0 with ease until going there. So let's see, let's see what happens there. All right, next question comes from Ozzy Newman. I drafted Deshaun Jackson in two of my leagues because I knew he was going to go off. I knew he was going to do sick. I didn't start him in either one. I forgot the pains of fantasy football. The worst thing in the world is when somebody on your bench does better than your flex. Worst thing ever. Thank you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> there was more to it, Ozzy. My bad about the, the JC reference at the end. All right, here's the thing. I... And very, very upset with myself. I did not follow my gut. Shout out to my guy, Dom. Dom, I kind of ruined his entire fantasy hopes last year. Beat him to get into the playoffs, and then I beat him in the playoffs too. And he got some revenge. He got some revenge, put the work on me, 
And here's the thing. I had Deshaun Jackson, so I'm with you, bro. I had Deshaun Jackson on my bench also. But, you know, from a football standpoint, this guy thrives in revenge games. This guy absolutely has to be a spiteful bastard because anytime he plays a team that he used to play for, he just goes off. If you look at his numbers against former teams that he used to play for, he does really well. And Alshon Jeffrey being occupied with Josh Norman for the most part, though Alshon hit the end zone also. Uh it was just it was just pitch and catch, two deep bombs to Deshaun Jackson and he got a lot of work underneath too. It is an element that this Eagles offense did not have last season. They didn't have a guy that could take the top off the defense and at 32 years old this guy's still cooking. What was it? 5 for 154 and two touchdowns. Let's make sure we spit that exact number to you guys right now as I pull it up in front of me. Yeah. Oh, eight catches for 154. Okay. And they were down 17 nothing too. So, yeah, that is definitely something that is going to be completely different for this Eagles offense going forward. The return of Deshaun Jackson. Watch out for the Eagles, I think. I mean, everyone knows how I feel about Philly. So, there's that. All right, let's hear, uh, what is this? Devontae underscore Lamar. The Jaguars are screwed, bro. Oh, yeah. Tough blow for Jacksonville, man. Nice, beautiful Beautiful, absolute dime. Dropped it right where only his wide receiver could get it to DJ Chark to Nick Foles throw. And that game was relatively close, right? It seemed there was some there was some life. And I understand it's week one, but it was just a different spirits from the crowd, from the the the, the defensive players too. Though it was a little poor tackling on that Sammy Watkins slant, but it did seem like they were a little bit more lively. And then ultimately that kills him, right? Close to over $80 million investment on Nick Foles. Bring him over, the former Super Bowl MVP for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know I went out in the preseason episode and I said, hey, man, I kind of think that Nick Foles is going to get exposed. It's not going to be the signing everyone thinks it is because he had the infrastructure in Philadelphia that led him to the Super Bowl. Yo, Carson Wentz got them the one seed. If they had to go on the road in the playoffs, I don't think we'd have the same conversation about Nick Foles. So I do think that the majority, not the majority, that's excessive, but I do think he should buy a nice, uh, he's a country boy, uh, Carson Wentz. So maybe like a pickup, send a pickup over to Carson Wentz because he's the main reason why Nick Foles really got paid because I don't think he goes on that run if it wasn't for Carson Wentz getting the one seed. But with that being said, yeah, ultimately I think the Jaguars are going to be screwed I want to see what the morale is going to be like because, yo, not for nothing, this dude that came in, and I want to pull up his name, Gardner Minshew, the Washington State product. He used to have, they used to do the the beard, right? I remember the beard that they used to have. That was a really cool thing that you would see all over social media and whatnot. And, yo, he bowled out 22 of 25, 275 and two touchdowns against the Chiefs. That might be a little concerning for your Chiefs fan with that secondary, which was ultimately the Achilles heel that I felt, though they addressed it in the offseason, some big names, spent some money on the defense. I still think that that's the weakest part of this Chiefs team. So, hell of a question there from, who was it? Devontae. Shout out to our board, Devontae. All right, we could, we could end this one with Noah Thames underscore with a question. All right, uh, what's up, VM? VM fam, what's up, Nick? Uh, so, I don't know how hot of a take this is, but... The Ravens, who? Listen, I'm not a Ravens fan, and I know the Dolphins are like in a like in a tank year, but you trash. 59 points, that's got to mean something. Lamar Jackson looked incredible, so 
MP saying MVP. I don't know, man. This it may be a hot take, but I might be hopping on that MVP train with him. So that's all. That's all I got for my overreaction for week one. Yeah, if you're wondering, that was me that yelled trash in the background because that's exactly what the Dolphins are going to be all year. I think they've obviously, through starting Fitzpatrick, from getting rid of Tunsil and Stills, cutting their best pass rusher, they're tanking for Tua, whoever you think is going to be the number one pick in college football from college football next year. And, yeah, that was just a shellacking. I think I should take some time now and say I'm sorry to Lamar Jackson. And shout-out to my guy, Warren Sharp. I've gotten to interact with Warren Sharp, and he is exactly what his last name is, Sharp. I think he's the best mind when it comes to breaking down football, in my opinion. And, you know, he's my guy because he used to be a D-Gen and then slowly but surely built a reputation up, and now he has – one of the best tools and references for the football season, the big book that he does, the previewing, everything. So here's the thing. He was the only one, and the reason why I'm bringing him up, he was the only run that had Lamar Jackson's back saying that, yo, Lamar Jackson, he can throw. He just didn't throw last year because the offense was built around Joe Flacco. All the pieces that they had were not built to the skill set of Lamar Jackson. And what did they do? Comes out, five touchdowns. Not bad for a running back is what he said in the presser, kind of taking shots at everyone. And, and, and not for nothing, yo, as far as I remember. It was like Bill Polian and myself that thought that he, he can't throw. But Bill Polian on ESPN was like, yeah, he should play slot wide receiver, which was crazy, which was a little crazy. He does bring a completely different dynamic to this offense. And, yo, this offense might be something fun to watch. Quote from tight end Mark Andrews. This is going to be a different offense from last year. Finished with a perfect passer rating, 158.3. And if this dude could throw like that, yo, watch out. If he might be onto something when he chimed into the preview show and was like, yo, we didn't spend no time on the Ravens, and they're making the playoffs. And this is a team that made the playoffs last year, and it seemed like they were just holding. They're, they're going to unleash Lamar Jackson like this. Maybe that's why they were running him 15 to 18 times a game last year. It's because they weren't sure that with the pieces that they had around him, that it was going to be the case where he would be able to thrive at a high level. So if you guys didn't hear your questions, my bad. Uh, I got a, I got a lot of them for the first time doing this. You guys were pretty excited to hear yourselves on the air. But like we said, interaction, fan interactions, we'll be doing more of this. So just make sure you're following everything that you need to follow for Veterans Minimum. Uh, also, the Facebook page. Follow Veterans Minimal on Facebook. Cheap plug. All right. Let's get into some of the overreactions that I have. And the overreactions that I have, I don't know if it's an overreaction per se, but I do think it's an issue that we have as people, as fans, whether it's NFL fans or sports fans. So if you're not an NFL fan and you're listening to this, hear me out. I'll explain. I think we all need to calm the fuck down. And what I mean by that is we need to let things play out. A lot of times we get in trouble because we hit Twitter really quick because something happens and we just want to chime in because it's the biggest talking point of that one to two minutes. And hey, world, don't forget about me. I'm here, too. And I watch this also. I want to be down. I want to be cool. Right. That's what we do. Something happens. We rush to our phones to tweet. Yo, that pass. Yo, that Malik Hooker one one handed interception, which is a banger, by the way. But what I'm going to say now is very important. We need to chill. Perfect example. The Philadelphia Eagles-Redskins game. My entire group chat with my friends were flaming me that first half. 
flaming me when they were down 17-0. Eagles, LOL, dope Super Bowl pick, 13-3, and haha, you know who you are, I'm not going to name drop, you pieces of shit, that's me talking to my buddies, Ralph, Dom, Tommy, you guys are all noted, right? Spoiler, one's a Jet fan, two are Cowboy fans, so you know where they're coming from, right? Why did that happen? Why did the Eagles look so bad in that first half? Guys, it's easy. We saw it happen on Thursday Night Football. We saw that happen in a lot of games. We saw that happen with the Steelers. What's going on? These quarterbacks and these teams are not playing in the preseason. Jared Goff missed a lot of wide-open receivers in that first half. That looked pretty sluggish, too. Quarterbacks are not playing in the preseason. And what you get in return is shitty first quarters, first halves in the regular season. It happens all the time. Why do we forget? Why do we have a short attention span? Last year, the Rams started the preseason and Sean McVay came out and said, yo, I'm not playing Robert Woods. I know what I have in him. I'm not playing Todd Gurley. I'm not Don- uh, Donald. Uh, Arnold. Oh, my God. Why am I stumping right now? Donald. <laughs> Donald, I want to get to the Jet game really, really badly. And I just mentioned my friend Dom, who's a Jet fan. But we're not going to play. We're not going to play him. We don't need to see what we got in those guys. Aaron Donald, right? In case you guys listening are like, yo, he doesn't even know who he's talking about. I do. Aaron Donald. They don't play those guys because I know. So why should Rodgers play in the preseason where he could get hurt, right? Well, you should play in the preseason a little bit because it's game reps. It's in-game speed. And you see a lot of a lot of teams now, what they're doing is they're doing this thing, if you guys haven't noticed. <coughs> Excuse me. What they're doing is they're having these joint practices with other teams, right? They do the, you know, they're going to play, say the Texans and the Packers play each other. And I know they, they did a preseason thing this year where they're going to play each other, but they're going to practice against each other. It's like, yo, I get to bang against someone else. I don't need to hit my starting running back, but I'll hit their starting running back kind of thing. And there's a competitive edge there. There's a, there's a level of competition where it's like, yo, I'm going to show out because, one, I'm trying to make a roster. Two, I'm trying to not – if I do get cut, I want to look good against maybe another team that got a close eye on me and whatnot and they got to know me. But I do think we need to address this with the preseason, and this is what I'm going to. I don't think it should be four games. I don't think that's necessary. I think it should be two games. But I also think that we can't say this. We need to pick a side, guys and girls. We can't play both. We can't say – the NFL shouldn't have a preseason. It's pointless. No one plays. But then also blame these awful first quarter offenses and why they're struggling. And your reasoning is, well, nobody is playing in the preseason. That's why they're struggling. Right? You can't blame the preseason and it's bad for the players. It's bad for the fans because the product is bad. But then say that, well, the reason they're not performing well in the regular season is because they're not playing in the preseason. And you yell and you kick and you scream when Ezekiel Elliott, bad example for this year, but a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, maybe a, a running back who's on your fantasy team or whatever, your your favorite team's running back is playing in the preseason. It's like, yo, I'm trying to get some reps. It's really what it comes down to. And I think that you need to dust the rust off. And what happened? They overcome a 17-point deficit to the Philadelphia Eagles and were basically covering the entire game up until the garbage touchdown. Awful, awful beat if you back the Eagles minus 10, i.e. your boy, one of my uh, picks this week. But I do think we need to chill. We just need to chill and let things play out. Big favorites, 10 points or more, 9 and 17 in the last couple of years, right? Since 1993, the biggest favorite of the week one slate is 12 and 24 against the spread. John Ewing of the Action Network put out, meaning 
The Eagles were the biggest favorite in week one, minus 10 against the Redskins. And this is something that I don't usually do. I was very upset with myself. One with Deshaun Jackson keeping him on the bench because I was talking him up all over social media, all over the podcast. Revenge game. You got to play Deshaun Jackson. And I have him on my bench. And I was spot on with my analysis of that. And then also, double-digit favorites, guys, for those of you in the Pick'em Pool on the VM Patreon, for those of you guys that are betting, betting is becoming more and more acceptable, right? We're, we're close to 20, 20 states have passed legislation on this. So now states are allowed to monitor and allow you to wager for the most part. It's just working on, you know, a couple of things to get it, get the apps running or get in the sports books, everything situated. But for the most part, they've accepted it, right? Division opponents, double digit spreads, pursue with caution. And I apologize for those I let down because I should know better. I should know better, right? Uh, what else do we have here? What else? We apologize to Lamar Jackson. Um, okay, Bills-Jets. Season-defining loss for the Jets. This was a game that I had them winning. And then the games where, you know, everyone does it, man. You print out your favorite team schedule and you go WWLLM. I do M maybe. Maybe win, maybe loss, depending on how things shake out. Everyone has that. I thought... Buffalo at home, up 16 nothing. They should have had that. The defense looked completely different when C.J. Mosley went out, and I've been singing his praises since they got him. Le'Veon Bell, that juking and jiving that he usually does, looked like the same old Le'Veon Bell, though I did think he was a guy. Le'Veon Bell, perfect example to the analogy I was using before. He's a guy that could have used some preseason. And Sam Darnold was checking down to Jamison Crowder. Why? Jamison Crowder caught double-digit passes, and I believe... I saw a tweet from a daily fantasy expert, JM to win, that he leads currently the NFL in targets. Why is that? Sam Darnold in the preseason, every time he played, built a nice rapport with Jamison Crowder. And you knew right away that if you watch the preseason, hashtag preseason matters, that Jamison Crowder was going to have a nice opening start to his season. It was just obvious. Robbie Anderson missed some time with his calf or leg, whatever it was, and he doesn't have Chris Herndon, so he had to check it out. And one of the reasons why I don't think they were utilizing Le'Veon Bell as much as they should have and could have is because he was a little rusty. He hasn't played in, I believe it was over 20 months. But C.J. Mosley, he comes out the game. They fall apart defensively. Uh, cornerbacks are atrocious. A lot of things that we had concerns about coming into the season played out that way. Brown's offensive line. Bad, bad decision-making by certain quarterbacks. Thursday Night Football, Mitchell Trubisky. The secondary for the New York Jets, the entire defense for the New York Giants. Little things that we had concerns over, they played out exactly that way. So that's really all I have as far as week one goes, overreactions. Um, my favorite picks were one and one on the picks with the Texans plus seven going tonight. My favorite pick, though, was the Tennessee Titans. Titans plus five and a half. I was saying it all, all summer long, all year long. This is the most overhyped team. This is the most overrated team. I should say overhyped team. Yeah, going into the season. Way too many people were backing them. Like, yo, you guys were like 0-16 not too long ago. The, the culture is still shitty. A lot of unknown with the offensive line, and that showed out to be bad. And Freddie Kitchen also. And a lot of talk, yo, like too much chatter. Like, Sometimes you got to just ball. 
And Delaney Walker ripped them apart. Delaney Walker came out and he said what he said about the Cleveland Browns. We circle this game. You know what I mean? we, this is just another game. We ain't worried about it. I'm going to tell you again, man. They were who we thought they were. Y'all can crown them if you want to crown them. Still got to play football. They were the preseason Super Bowl champions. That's exactly what it was. And Delaney Walker, you know, paying homage to Dennis Green, the famous Monday Night Football rant about the Chicago Bears. You got to play football at the end of the day. Everything looks great on paper. And now, yo, Browns are in a tough spot going into Monday Night Football against the New York Jets, who are also starving for a win that they felt they should have had. And that line in that game is a little crazy, just putting that out there right away. Browns just got spanked by 30. And they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite in New York. And I don't know about that. That's a little crazy. You know what? Let me let me do this. Let me let me call my buddy, my buddy Hunter. He's a he's a Cleveland Browns fan. What's up? Yo, what's wrong? You got no. me at the worst hour, man. Come on. You know, I, I, I got to give you a shout-out because bottom of the ninth, base is loaded. I was like, yo, Hunter, you want to get on the pod quick? Just talk some shit about your Browns. And you're like, you're going to do this to me on this day of all days? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it was a brutal one yesterday, to say the least. You were there, right? Yep, got season tickets. I'm always there. Oh, so you're exactly who I wanted to talk to. Man, what happened? Most anticipated Brown season opener and bedtime by, like, the end of the first quarter. <laughs> it was it was not bedtime till about, like, midway through the third, to be fair. Completely fair. Uh, um, all right. All right, I'll give you that. I mean, Robinson got ejected. <laughs> It was. I mean, that was tough. I think that was backup left. Tough. Backup left tackle got hurt too. Four plays later. I mean, <clears throat> I don't even know who was Justin McRae or Jordan McRae is. Uh, I know he's a guard, but he was playing right tackle, and Joel Batonio was playing, or he's playing like right guard. Joel Batonio was playing left tackle. It was a fucking shit show on the line for sure. How'd you feel about Odell being really worried about his image and wearing that three hundred fifty thousand dollar watch? I think that watch was fucking sick. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to fucking get hit by that thing, dude. If I'm tackling them, that bitch would hurt. Yo, how are you not worried about breaking that shit? No, it must be nice to have money. They're like, they gotta have like some crazy warranty on things like that, though. Yeah, I would think so. He might get. Uh, he might get in trouble for that too. Per the NFL, they're they're bitching yeah, him on not, They're just gonna tell him not to do it again, from what I saw. Yeah, probably. But, yo, look, uh, about the Browns, though, the reason why I really wanted to have you on is, you know, everyone was kind of the boner team was the Cleveland Browns coming in, and I feel like that's uncharted territory for you as a Browns fan. So how how, how big of a letdown was it for the, for the Brownies? What was Actually, what was the vibe like in the crowd when it got ugly? Well, we sit in the dog pound, and I was pretty disappointed in the fans mostly. I feel like there were a lot of Fairweather fans. Like, a lot of people were like, just selling their tickets like we're we're in the fourth row and i'd say like every row in front of us everyone was like sitting down the whole game or on their phones people wearing dress shirts in the fucking dog pound i don't it was it was weird it was it certainly felt like uh, a lot of fair weather fans were out yesterday is that i was pretty uh, upset about it was was it like a is so I wouldn't know I've never been to a Cleveland Browns game but do they usually get a big turnout like the fans always show up or whatnot especially like early on in the year or was it a little different this year because there's actually expectations? Well, like it depends. Like the first about I'd say twelve years they were back from like ninety nine to two thousand eleven. Uh, 
pretty much I think every game sold out, and then it kind of just like tapered off after like so many terrible seasons. Um, so it was like being back in like 2007 ish, like uh, Derek Anderson 10 and 6 season. Um, crowd was, I mean, it was full stadium, it was full almost an hour before the game. So, but it was just, it felt like a lot of people were just selling their tickets because it was the first time they could ever get them for money. I mean, people used to just put them on car windows, you know, walk into the stadium, just have them. Just giving them out for free. Yo, I can't imagine. I, I went to a I went to a Bills game where uh, one of the ticket scalpers he couldn't even sell his ticket he was just giving them away he had like fifty of them I was like who who wants it and he, people couldn't even, he couldn't even give them away yeah it's been some so, hard times in Cleveland yo what's good with uh, Nick Chubb lining up in the slot Guy I can't don't even... want to talk about it I'm I'm be, I like <laughs> I have not seen a single Cleveland media person even notice it but I I had to see it at least six times yesterday where he was lined up as the fourth wide receiver and that makes I, I Richard Higgins was standing on the side was benched I don't I I don't know there's been no report about it but uh he went out there he c- killed the first drive and then got benched second half I don't know and I'm really confused about it trading Duke Johnson is going to be pretty terrible now that Hilliard's out too I mean I ugh, it's a mess well listen let me give you guys let me let me give you guys a little behind the scenes. No one, I don't think, I don't think Duke Johnson's family loves him more than what Hunter's love affair is with Duke Johnson. Hey, I always get him right, man. I always get him right. Yo, let me ask you one last thing. Baker Mayf- Mayfield, are we sure that he's better than Daniel Jones? <laughs> kill yourself. Actually, kill yourself. I saw your boy. I saw your boy go out yesterday and fumble. So. Let's act like he. Let's act like he didn't go out one drive, one turnover. Yo, listen. The, the truth of the matter is, <laughs> right? He was not prepared. Right? So Daniel Jones, uh, when he's prepared, he'll be ready. I didn't even know that. I actually went. I went. I went to shower because it was a wrap. That game was out of hand. Obviously, the game was over before it even started. Uh, that opening drive for, for the Giants was a fluke, but it didn't even matter. Um, all right. Last thing I want to ask you for, uh, on a serious note: should should you be panicking if you're a Browns fan? Cause, dude, not for I mean, nothing, not for nothing, man. That offensive line is kind of suspect, and that was my main concern with them coming into the year. I think the biggest issue yesterday, the offensive line was bad, but the Browns only got like, I think, when the game was was pretty much over before the pick six. I'm pretty sure the Browns were only down three total yards to the uh, to the Titans. I mean, they had 187 penalty yards yesterday. I think the defense was more disappointed than the offensive line, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, they also committed, like you said, eighteen penalties. Eighteen penalties, yeah. Yeah, that that that's a no go. But yo, I think that a lot of that might be that might be something that's going to be happening a lot with them, man. You got a lot of personalities over there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There weren't very many. I think there were only two or three holding penalties against us yesterday. So, like, I mean, the offense the offensive line didn't look good, but it it didn't look terrible for having both left tackles out. I mean, it looked bad, but I don't know. The defense looked worse, in my opinion. I mean, Demarius Randall, I don't know if you saw the first uh, drive for the Titans. Uh, Demarius Randall didn't know what country he was in when uh, A.J. Brown caught a 47-yard pass, something like that. If you can go back and rewatch that, I mean, I don't know what he was doing. He, he I don't know. It was That was tough to watch. He got spin zoned. Oh, yeah. It looked, uh, it looked pretty rough. Der- Derek Henry... 
Derrick Henry running wild, Delaney Walker coming out party after missing uh, all of that us. Henry, that Henry screen should have been called for holding, if we're being completely. It should have been a zero-yard gain, and it should have been called for holding. If he, But, you know, I'll, I'll let that slide. Yeah, that butt whooping was a nice one that they put on you. Because I got to say, I was on Titans plus five and a half. That was my favorite pick of the weekend. And I think even you called me a donkey. So any any last words as you make your VM appearance for the first time? I have nothing more to say. Did this in my own life. Man, shout out to my guy Hunter, yo. Give him a follow. I Cleveland God on Twitter. That dude's done a lot for me. Got me to get with chat sports kind of and boom fantasy. So shout out to him. Troll him. Troll him about the Cleveland Browns. He uh, <laughs> He's always a fun follow. So, anywho, before we get to Joe Caparoso, I have an announcement to make. We have a new sponsor for the show. Brand new sponsor. Sponsor? Sponsor for the show. And it is... Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. The company is called Taver. Taver is a way to select delicious craft beers you cannot find in your local area and have them delivered right to your door it's not a beer of the month club where someone chooses the beer for you and you end up with a bunch of laggers or you have those ipas that you might not want and you want to give them away to someone else taver only works with over 600 independent breweries over 47 states all across the u.s signing up for taver is free just download the app for ios or android and create an account to see the available beers Taver helps you turn your fridge into the best craft beer bar around, baby. If you guys go download the app today and enter the promo code VETERAN, you will get $10 in cold, hard beer cash to use on the app after you spend $25. Again, it's free to sign up, and there's no obligation to purchase. You can check it out first. You like it? Put in that promo code VETERAN to get $10 off your purchase. All right, joining me now is my guy Joe Caparoso. He is from the Turn On The Jets podcast. He is the Senior Vice President of Content and Brand Platform at Whistle Sports. He's also the owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Covers all things New York Jets football, baby. Joe, thank you for coming on the show. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to producer Mike. Producer Mike set this up. He's a big fan of your work. And like a lot of the listeners that are Jets fans and some of my close friends that are all Jet fans, we're, we're hoping that we could hear some good things on your end about the Jets this season and moving forward. Sounds good. It should be an exciting year, at least certainly more exciting than these past eight years have been, hopefully. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Giant fan for everyone that knows me, but I, I don't dislike the Jets. Of course, there are a couple of Jet friends of mine that are uh, trolls and whatnot, but that's just, you know, the rivalry, the, the, the big brother, little brother kind of rivalry, right? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, look, the Jets, they got some work to do, obviously. The Giants, for all their recent struggles, have, uh, have won two Super Bowls in, uh, in recent memory, beating New England, so... Uh, it's been certainly much longer for the Jets. So, look, they only get to play once every four years, including this year, finally. I hope we get a similar result to uh, we did in 2015, but we'll see how that plays out. When the Giants are playing the Patriots, are you one of those that roots for the Giants, I would hope? 
I did root for the Giants from both of those Super Bowls. I, like any rational human being who's not from Boston, could not stomach New England or stomach New England winning anymore. So I did ultimately root for the Giants in both those games. Yeah, I'd feel the same way if the Jets played the Cowboys, Eagles, or Redskins in a Super Bowl. So that's uh, that's just, like you said, only a rational sports fan will be able to make that decision. But, all right, I want to kind of talk a little bit about you first. Like, how'd you get started covering the Jets? Because you have a pretty unique story. I like how you, you're a political science major and kind of pivoted into sports talk. How, how'd that come about? Yeah, I mean, I got uh, my undergrad in political science, then actually got a master's in political science from Lehigh in a one-year program. But during that entire time, I was uh, writing for a bunch of different small websites on the Jets. I, you know, I, I was writing for Bleacher Report back in the day when it, they were just kind of taking on a bunch of different contributors. Um, and then I started writing for this site that was part of a network called Stanball, which was basically there was a website for every NFL, NBA, NHL team. Uh, and I got the opportunity to run the Jets site, which they actually picked the name was turned on the Jets. And I did that for a couple of years. Network shut down. I worked with one of the guys in the network to uh, maintain ownership of the site. And since then, uh, I've just been populating it. And my, and my first couple jobs out of college were not related to sports. I was doing inside sales. I was doing nonprofit fundraising. But on the side, I was still writing, doing the social media for the site, just getting experience, doing podcasts and, and writing, you know, sharing my stuff on Twitter. And I used that more so than my uh, real jobs, quote unquote, real jobs to get my now current full-time job with Whistle. Uh, where I've been for six years, actually, and I originally joined the company you know, as a writer. It used to be a dot-com website and then gradually moved over to doing social media and now you know, doing all of our content here uh, while maintaining the site on the side. Fortunately, I've been able to you know, partner with a lot of different people who contribute from a writing and a podcast, podcast standpoint because I certainly can't write at the volume that I did back when I was in college or when I you know, right. kind of first started out, but I've been able to you know, kind of pick my spots and still do the weekly podcast and some weekly prediction articles and you know, keep the engagement going on Twitter. So it's, you know, it's, it's a side hustle, definitely. It's not you know, my full-time job, but it's something that I still enjoy doing, and it's, it's really good and flattering to you know, get the consistent engagement from people who have followed the site for a long time. Man, I, I have a different, you know, a, a different level of respect for you now for doing something like that. I'm not just saying it because you're on the show. I, I'm someone that's sort of taken a similar path to you where, you know, got out of school, business degree, whatever. And, you know, I was going to be a Nassau County cop and that didn't fall through. And I kind of put my life on hold for a couple of years, waiting to see what that decision was going to ultimately be. And now I'm, uh, I just put a deposit down for a food truck. So like, that's like my, my actual job i guess here quote unquote nine to five but this is my side hustle too my question to you as someone you know giving someone like me advice or someone listening when did you know that you'd be able to turn this side hustle into your actual hustle like your real job like what was the turning point for you i mean it, it took a few years and i right. the fact that it had built up enough to the point where i was able to kind of use it as a primary thing on my resume when I applied for a job with Whistle uh, is when I thought it might be 
viable enough. And the fact that it worked and was able to get me through the door here, it was kind of the confirmation of it. You know, when I was leaving what I was doing at the time, which had nothing to do with sports, I was looking at whistle. I was looking at a couple other jobs that weren't really directly related to sports, but I said, you know what, let me lean on what I have here with turn on the jets, which was, you know, a little smaller back then and see if I could use that and sell myself uh, through on that experience. And, you know, it worked out. And then when I was able to get the door at whistle, I was able to, you know, kind of work my way up and, uh, you know, prove my way from there. But it did, you know, it took a few years, you know, I did it. I was writing about the jets all four years of college. I had accumulated a lot of clips, you know, even in those initial years out of school and, um, that was it. What able? What was able to ultimately, you know, push it through? And I don't, you know, even my job at Whistle does not really involve any writing or traditional, you know, sport coverage. I, I still, you know, love it and it's great. But uh, I am able to still get to, you know, write, podcast, and talk about sports in sort of a more traditional way through this outlet. Man, that's awesome to hear because I, I think a lot of people nowadays, Joe, they see the finished product. Someone just turns to your page and they see, you know, 18.4 thousand followers on Twitter. And, you know, your your bio is really swagged out with the SVP and owner and whatnot. And you got the blue check, which means you're super verified. But it's also like you said, you took you took the growing pains and you went through the the struggles of learning how to be creative and all that. So my hats off to you, man. That's a, that's a pretty cool story that you got there. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been, you know, a long road and takes time and takes a lot of, you know, chopping wood for it to ultimately, you know, break through a little bit. And ultimately it's fun. I mean, it's good to have, you know, an outlet to, you know, talk about this team. I think, you know, the Jets have a very passionate fan base. That's for sure. Uh, you know, a passionate and understandably frustrated fan base over the past few years. I mean, really, the first two years, I fully kind of owned the site and was doing this week to week was their back to back uh, AFC championship runs in 2009 and 2010. And it seemed like a great time to be, you know, starting a site. They were the team was very good. They were you know, playing in meaningful games every single year. And then these past eight years have really, you know, definitely been a challenge. Uh, it's the third longest playoff drought in the NFL. And sometimes fans don't want to hear, you know, criticism of their team. But the reality is, is that if you haven't been criticizing the Jets a lot the past eight years, you probably aren't telling the truth. Now, I think and hope that they've started to turn a corner this offseason. But of course, you know, we'll see when we actually get here. When you first started covering the jets did you think that it was gonna uh, so hold on are you uh, i'm assuming for you to pick the jets as a team to cover you must have been a fan growing up i was yeah i mean i i've had my get season tickets in my family for the jets from the time i was a little kid i was you know i've been going to games my whole life huge huge jets fan growing up played football you know growing up up through d3 in college you know football is always a you know a big part of my life um and, you know, look, as you get a little older, are you the same completely insane fan that you were when you were, you know, 14 or 15? No. Uh, obviously, I am still a huge fan of the team. And, I, you know, these past few years have been, have been tough. You know, it stinks to have a team that you're almost rooting for to lose every November and December to help their draft position because they're 3-8, and eight, you know, <laughs> by, with five games left. And, yeah, I know, you know exactly I, what you like, mean. Yeah, and like any Jet fan, I'm you know I'm exhausted of that. I miss going to meaningful games in November and December, and uh, having them competing 
you know, for a playoff spot. And, you know, it's been it's been a while. Uh, the, you know, those 2009 and 2010 seasons were a ton of fun. And I think for someone my age, you know, I'm 32, you know, you always heard all the same old jet stuff and kind of brush it off because really from 98 up through 2010 the jets were pretty good they were one of the better teams in the nfl they made a playoff a lot you know they were at the afc championship game three times they never broke through and won a super bowl but it wasn't like they were bad every single year and these past eight years have kind of really been that first stretch uh that goes back to sort of the early 90s and 70s when they were you know bad for an extended period of time let's talk about the jets going into this season and one thing I do want to point out is that we're recording this prior to the week one game against the, the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, obviously we're not going to preview that and whatnot. And a lot of things can happen in that game. But I just want like an overarching idea of how you feel about the Jets going into this season. I want to start off with some of the bigger names. Joe, one of my strong takes has been about Le'Veon Bell. And I think that we have as a society, no matter what the topic is, we have a short attention span and we have a problem remembering things that happened even yesterday. And I think the fact that Le'Veon Bell sat out a year, he's 27 years old, away from football. If he would have put up a 2018 season like he did in 2017, wouldn't more people be talking about Le'Veon Bell to the Jets? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, we just haven't seen him out there in a while. and People forget that. When he was last out there, he was arguably the best running back in the NFL, one of the best offensive players in the NFL. I mean, this is a guy who is on track to be a Hall of Famer. It's not like he missed all of last year with a torn ACL. He sat it out because of the contract dispute. So theoretically, you know, he should be fresh. He's still in his prime and now had that year off. And he is probably the best offensive skill position player the Jets have had since they had Curtis Martin. Uh, in his prime. So it's been a long time. And, you know, he is not just someone who's dynamic as a runner. He's dynamic as a pass catcher. And the Jets had so much cap space and have been so bad on offense and needed to help their rookie quarterback. Uh, it was a move that they needed to make. And I don't know if Bell is going to replicate his exact production from Pittsburgh, but I think he could be an 1,000 yard runner and, you know, add another few hundred yards receiving and, you know, bring a lot more of a dynamic presence to the running back position than they had the last few years. I'm, I'm a big Giant fan, but I found myself, because one of my really good friends is a Steeler fan, my, my friend Danny, and I watched a lot of the Steelers. And also, you know, not for nothing, they were on primetime a lot. And it seemed like so many times the Steelers would be in a, a first and 20 because of a penalty or a second and 16 because of a bad sack. And then Ben just dumps the ball off. And then before you know it, it's third and four as opposed to third and... 12 and that's what i think Le'Veon bell is going to bring to the table for sam donald in this offense yeah look i mean everything the jets do needs to be built around making sam donald's life easier last year they made it as hard as possible they were starting a guy in elijah mcguire and running back who is not even on a 53-man roster right now uh, they were starting andre roberts and deontay burnett a receiver who are not even on the team anymore i uh, they need to make his life easier. And like you said, Le'Veon Bell is the kind of guy who could take a screen pass, take a check down, convert an easy throw into a big play, and help give a young quarterback confidence. So this should make his development easier and help move along faster. Um, and he's just such an improvement over the collection of players that they were playing with last year uh, that 
you know, there's no way that this can have a positive effect on his completion percentage uh, and what ultimately should be his confidence. How do you feel about Sam Darnold going into year two? I mean, I'm excited about Darnold. I think considering his age and circumstance, Mm -hmm. the way he finished the season last year was particularly encouraging. It was not a perfect rookie year. He had some really ugly patches, but 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions over the course of 13 games, playing with a bad offensive coordinator with a bad supporting cast as a 21-year-old. I think you saw enough good moments where it's fair for Jet fans to be confident that he's going to be that much better with Le'Veon Bell, with Jamison Crowder, with a healthy Quincy Nua, with a better offensive line. Uh, so I'm excited to see his development. Let's hope that you know he has that Carson Wentz, Jared Goff type leap forward in year two, um, and really proves himself as the guy who's going to be the quarterback here the next ten to twelve years. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Sam Donald's rookie season, only four other quarterbacks have thrown more ints than him in a rookie season, and this is some elite company. It's Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Troy Aikman, and Peyton Manning. So that's Joe. You should feel if he can follow that career path. Obviously, not Andrew Luck retiring early. That's a topic for another conversation. But that's some nice company to have your quarterback in. Look, he's a talented guy. There's a reason that there was all the tanking for Sam, and everyone thought he was going to be the first pick. Raw tools are there. Uh, he has the right attitude from all the feedback we've gotten from people around the team. Um, there's no reason that he can't be a very good, potentially great starting quarterback in the NFL. Just got to hope that, you know, he stays healthy and Jets continue to build around him in the right way. Uh, and if you figure out quarterback, a lot of things come easier and it helps fill a lot of the other gaps that you have on your roster. Oh, yeah. I've been saying that for for ages, how if you just hit on the quarterback, pretty much everything else you can whiff, you know, like the Colts. They, they were taking uh, Philip Dorsett, who just ran a fast 40, and this defensive lineman from Florida State who was like a German dude that played one season at, over there. And it's like it, it covers up a lot of the issues that you have, not only on, as a roster, but with your organization, too. With Sam Darnold, what would you, who would you say is the most important player for him? Because I think that Chris Herndon being out the first month is a big blow for them because watching them last year, I felt as if there was a nice – natural chemistry between those two guys and he seemed to be a first read for Donald on a lot of his dropbacks yeah look they're definitely going to miss Herndon Uh, they don't have an immediate replacement who could do everything he can do in the passing game he's a really dynamic athlete who could line up all over the formation and was really productive last year again in a tough situation I think outside of Bell Robbie Anderson sort of works as the Jets' de facto number one receiver. And you saw in those final four games last year how productive he could be with Darnold. You know, Anderson has never been quite consistent enough to be a true lead receiver and get over a 1,000 yards. I think in this offense will be his best opportunity to do that. I don't think this is a guy who's going to produce like DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones or an Odell, but can he get, you know, 1,050, 1,100 yards and seven or eight touchdowns? Yeah, I think he could, particularly in this offense. Darnold can get that from Anderson, one of the better young deep threats in the game. I think it will help open up everything else for Herndon when he comes back, for Jamison Crowder in the slot, for Quincy Inua opposite of Anderson. So I think Anderson is really going to be his key guy throughout the duration of the season, and he's who I would bet on to lead the Jets in receiving yards. 
Yeah, I'm I'm very high on Robbie Anderson this year. A lot of what you said, it seemed like once Darnold towards the tail end of last season, that last month, he really got his feet underneath him. You know, he got injured in the middle of the season last year too. And I also think, Joe, and tell me how you feel about this, about young young quarterbacks, they shouldn't be with defensive-minded head coaches. Yeah, look, <laughs> we saw this with Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, you've experienced that a couple times. Bulls and Darnold just basically had a defensive-minded head coach in perpetuity, it feels like. So, look, I wasn't crazy about the Gase hire when it first happened, and I'm still not really sold on it yet. But at a minimum, he will be an upgrade from an offensive perspective over what they had with Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates. And as someone who will be able to dedicate the necessary attention to Darnold uh, and hopefully make his life easier in terms of giving him easier reads and easier completions to better build his confidence. Last thing I want to mention about the offense before we pivot over to the defensive side, because I have some questions for them also. How do you feel about the offensive line coming into this year? Because it does seem like that's the biggest concern Jets Nation has with the Jets offense. I think it's a fair concern. I mean, the only major change or addition they made was trading for Coleccio Semele, who should definitely be a big upgrade over James Carpenter if he could get remotely near to the form he had with Oakland a few years ago. But the rest of the unit has a lot of questions around it. You know, they just added Ryan Cleo to be their center. Uh, he had been retired up until a few weeks ago and didn't play at all in the preseason. Brandon Shell, Brian Winters, I would say, are slightly below average starters. Uh, and then Calvin Beecham is okay at left tackle. But even if everything breaks right for this unit, it's probably league average at best. And usually you get one or two injuries at some point. So that could be a little tough for this team to overcome. It's going to be a multi-year process to rebuild this offensive line. The hope is that quick releases move the pocket with Darnold that helps mask some of the potential problems they have. And if they can do that, then hopefully it doesn't become a major sore spot because Jets do have a decent amount of skill position talent, probably more than they're given credit for. Yeah, I think a lot of people are forgetting Quincy Anunwa a lot, the the Herdin suspension too, and Jamison Crowder, I do think. I mean, that one drive against the, the Giants in the preseason, it seemed like he was getting all the targets for the most part. So there seems to be some natural chemistry there between Darnold and Crowder. Who's your favorite guy on the defensive side of the ball for the Jets? Because there's a couple that I have personally. Who would you say is your guy? I mean, I would say Jamal Adams is the player to be the most excited about. Coming off second-team All-Pro uh, appearance, is, you can make a case that in some ways he's their best strong safety, free safety, cornerback, and edge rusher uh, because of all the different things he could do on their defense. And definitely plays with a lot of energy and tempo. Someone who will regularly end up on the highlight reel with the big hits. He's an easy player for fans to rally around. I think he will probably ultimately be the best player on that unit. You know, C.J. Mosley, a little more established, a little further along in his career, plays a nice of a flashy, flashy position, but should be really steady in the middle. But Adams is, you know, really the leader of that unit and is probably their headline player. Yeah, that guy from watching him at LSU, because, Joe, fun fact, I, I didn't go to LSU, but there's a bar in the city my friends and I always happen to go to, Legends Bar. It's an LSU alumni bar, and one day we just stumbled in there, and there were they had the marching band, and it was just a crazy, crazy Saturday night, and we were just like, hey, the, the Giants at the time had Odell, and all my friends are Jeff fans. They had Jamal Adams. We're like, all right, let's just 
go there. So we've been rooting for this guy for a while. He's a he's also a culture changer too. Like that guy came in and right away it seemed like he was a leader. No. Yeah, I think he's the the face of the franchise along with Donald right now, and is someone that the fans have naturally gravitated towards just because of the enthusiasm he brings for the game. I don't think there's any doubt about his passion for playing football, and he's a really easy person for fans to root for. Uh, and he's treated this fan base well since he's been here. Uh, always going the extra mile to you know interact with fans, and those little things get noticed, and that you know. Of course, it's only as important as you're producing on the field, but he's really been the complete package since they've taken him in the first round. Yeah, I don't think you'd be foolish to have any complaints about Jamal Adams so far with the Jets. What do you think about C.J. Mosley? Were you a fan of his over in Baltimore? Because I felt as if he was one of the more underrated linebackers for me. You always heard about Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley. And C.J. Mosley was always like the forgotten son of that position. I love the addition of C.J. Mosley. Did they overpay for him? Yeah, but that's just the nature of the beast when you try to get free agents to leave one team and come to another. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Mosley's going to be very good and the best inside linebacker the Jets have had since David Harris, and I think Mosley's a better player in his prime than Harris was. The question is, was spending so much money at inside linebacker to the detriment of what they've spent at edge rusher and corner? Is that going to be problematic or not? So Mosley is probably someone who will be a pro bowler, be second team all pro, if not first team all pro. Can the difference that he makes mitigate some of the other problems that the Jets could have on their defensive death chart? From you mentioned something before in passing about the offensive line for the Jets, how that was being, you know, the, the fans are kind of overreacting to it being worse than it really is. Do you feel that's the case with the defensive backs, more so the corners? Seems like Tremaine Johnson was kind of a, it, it's been a, a dud since he came over. Yeah, I mean, cornerbacks rough on paper. You can make a yeah. case to have maybe the worst cornerback group in the NFL, and that's just because. Tremaine Johnson was bad last year. He was hurt all summer, so we don't know what we're going to get out of him. And then it's Darren Roberts, who was a backup the past few years, and Brian Poole, who's a new addition at slot corner. And then the depth behind them, as it stands right now, is a guy named Nate Harrison they traded four or five days ago. Uh, and Arthur Mollett, the guy they added you know, over the summer, who really doesn't have any notable experience. So this is not a unit that can sustain any type of injuries. And even if they don't sustain an injury, are still light on talent. Yeah, Brian Poole, as someone who plays daily fantasy sports pretty competitively, anytime you would get that matchup with a slot corner, uh, a slot wide receiver, and Brian Poole was there, it was just food for the wide receiver, man. He was just... He would just cook them all the time. And I made a lot of money playing against uh, Brian Poole. So I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, Joe, when he lines up against wide receivers in the slot. Yeah, I think look, Buster, Buster Screen was not great these past few years. Right, so, right. You know, can he be an improvement over him? Hopefully. Uh, but I don't think it's reasonable to feel good about the Jets' cornerback position going into this season at all. Uh, it's just there's too many question marks for that group right now. Yeah, that's fair to say. All right, as we wrap up here, uh, you know, um, before we started recording, I asked you if you know about betting and whatnot. And you're like, of course, I live in Jersey. So that was the only answer I needed to hear. But uh, I got some odds here. You know, the over-under is at seven and a half wins, according to the Caesars Sportsbook out in Vegas. Uh, how are you feeling about that? If you have to put your money where your mouth is? I 
mean, I officially picked the team to go eight and eight this year. So I okay. think uh, it's a narrow, but the over on that, I think is a reasonable bet. Um, their schedule is very tough. The first six games of the year, but then softens up substantially in the middle part of the year. They get to play Miami twice, which is a nice benefit of being in the AFC East. So I don't think it's insane at all to take the over on the seven point five. Yeah, I got I got him as a second wild card for me. Just it, this is really just banking on Darnold taking that leap to bound that you mentioned. You know, you've seen Jared Goff do it, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Pat Mahomes, and look, this guy was. You can make the, a strong argument that he was highly touted even more than those guys, just as a raw talent. So I, I I'm I'm on the over also. I got him as a second wild card. Um, there was something interesting here, and I want to just pick your brain about the odds. So they're six to one to win the AFC East. I'm not saying that. They're plus two seventy to make the playoffs, but their odds to make the playoffs as a wild card team is plus five fifty. Wouldn't you say that that would be the best approach if you were to think they would be a playoff team? Yeah, I'm definitely not ready to say that they're going to be New England out for the division. I think, unfortunately, the Pats are pretty stacked up again this year and have a pretty soft schedule. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to think they won't win 11 to 12 games. Um, you know, I think wild card is the route for the Jets if they're going to get in. And, you know, a team like Indy losing Andrew Luck could have a pretty big impact on how obtainable that is. You know, if Oakland doesn't get a full season from Antonio Brown and some of these other Chargers don't get a full season from Melvin Gordon, maybe they sneak in at, you know, 9-7 and seven as that sixth seed. I don't think it's, you know, out of the question at all. Uh, and I think they're right in sort of that, you know, second, third-ish tier in the AFC that will be competing for that last wild card spot. All right, last question before we let you go. Uh, give me, give me a team that you want to keep an eye on this year. You know, not the Jets, obviously, but is there another team that excites you? Is there a team that you think people are not talking about that could make some noise? I mean, I think everybody has decided that Cleveland's definitely going to win the AFC North. Would not surprise me if both Baltimore and Pittsburgh are a little better than people expect, particularly Pittsburgh. I think everyone might be a little too quick to write those two teams off Mm -hmm. and think all three of those teams are going to be potentially 500 or better. Uh, and, you know, even the Ravens, again, the team who won double-digit games last year uh, with their defense and with their sort of unique approach on offense with Lamar Jackson. I just think that division is going to be really good, and I wouldn't count on Cleveland to just run away with it, and I wouldn't fully write off Pittsburgh yet just because they don't have Bell and Brown. Yeah, it just seems like a lot of people are overreacting to AB leaving Pittsburgh because I, I love them. I love their odds to win the AFC North. I, I just like them as a team. No one's really talking about them. I couldn't agree with you more on the on the Cleveland take. Do you happen to have a Super Bowl prediction? I mean, as much as I hate to say this, I have to say right now what I actually think will happen. This is not what I want to happen. I would look at a Philadelphia-New England rematch. Mm. Um, Nobody wants to see those fan bases in a Super Bowl again, but I think the, if you're just looking at it on paper with New England's infrastructure and with the talent that Philly has collected, if Carson Wentz could stay healthy, uh, those are that's a potential matchup I think we could see. Interesting. I agree with one of the teams, and I think you know we were talking about it before about maturing as a sports fan and whatnot and being rational. I actually have the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, so that says a lot as someone who I don't think I hate a team more than the Eagles as a Giants fan because they've caused a lot of heartache 
to me, like my my generation of Giant fans, for us, I think it's the Eagles that we hate the most. You know, older generations, it's the Cowboys. Yeah, I can empathize with that. That's just the reality of, you know, seven, eight years ago, I just couldn't bring myself to pick New England to win the division every year. But when they literally win the division every single year, you have to pick them until they prove otherwise. Yeah, that's for sure. 13 of the last 18 years, they won over their win total. So that's a that's a nice percentage there back in that. Joe, it was a pleasure, man, talking to you. I know uh, producer Mike is very excited to hear this. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. The floor is yours now. Tell them where they can find you, where they can read your stuff, listen to your stuff. Take it away. So you can follow me on Twitter at jtaparoso. That's J C A T O R O S O. The website is turnonthejets.com. Uh, the podcast is also called Turn on the Jets, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Tons of daily content coming out through the website, through the podcast, and through Twitter. You follow us in those three spots. Uh, you'll have more than enough Jet stuff uh, to read and listen to. So, again, appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to this season kicking off. Yes, sir. Thanks again. And, guys, I'll make sure I have the links to everything when I tweet out the episode. Joe, it was a pleasure. Uh, good luck to the Jets. I got them as a wild card, so let's see if it comes true. Fingers crossed. We're rooting for it. Fun, fun stuff. Shout out to my guy, Cleveland God. Calling him bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. He answered. Shout out to the new sponsor, Taver. Shout out to Joe Caparoso of Whistle Sports and TurnOnTheJets.com. As far as I go, it's at the Lamb Show on all social media outlets. Veterans Minimum Show on Instagram. There is a change in the Instagram. The old Veterans Minimum handle has been changed. You might not be following it, so go and follow at Veterans Minimum Show on Instagram. It's at Veterans Minimum on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Veterans Minimum. Check that out as well. And we'll catch you guys on the Thursday episode. Bye-bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.